It is time, folks, for another edition of the We Have High Expectations podcast. And you want to know who else had some high expectations this past weekend? Team USA at the Ryder Cup. It was a bloodbath from start to finish. And we have the recap you've all been waiting for. And we'll also preview the Big uh, Big Ten Friday Night Lights matchup this week. Next on We Have High Expectations. Well, Drewski, uh, we got to start with the Ryder Cup recap, right? I mean, Team USA, your prediction of what, 25 to 1 turned out to not be that far off. Not that far off. I think I said 27 to 1 is what I said. Um, I haven't seen Americans beat the crap out of British that bad since the Battle of Yorktown. Uh, Wanted to get some history jokes in. Uh, It was great, wasn't it? Just, I mean, I know it it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a nail biter and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of tension at the end, but I like the whole, like the Ryder Cup's always awesome. Like even when it's sucks, it's awesome, you know? And yeah, it's, uh, it's just fun, uh, you know, watching match play and alternate shot, you know, it's, it's different stuff, first of all. So that's fun. You don't get to see like the greatest in the world playing those, you know, playing, playing match play even very, very yeah. often. Um, and then, yeah, like literally every single session, the U S just rolled them. (laughs) Yeah. Except for, I mean, there was a, there was a point on Saturday. There was a little bit of a point on Saturday afternoon where you could say, uh, you know, they, they, they could win that, uh, they could win that, um, what was it? Bryson and, um, Scotty Scheffler were playing. I can't remember who they're playing. I'm not going to be of any help. On yeah, I can't remember who they were playing. I, I can't be. I can't remember who they were playing on Saturday. But um, there was a point where you where you were like, ah, you know, if they win that one, it'll be ten six, and then it, you know, you know, ten six is like. Um, right. And then Scotty Scheffler made a, a a big putt on fifteen, uh, made a birdie on sixteen. Bryson stuffed one on seventeen, and there you go. That was it. And eleven five. It, it was over at that point. There was there was no coming back from eleven five. But I think for me the the Ryder Cup. I think I said this last week. Like it's such a small sample size that you know we're it, so say if you could if you changed in twenty everybody talks about Euros Europeans are so dominant Europeans are so dominant right. If Justin Rose doesn't run in a 75 footer on that 17th green at Medina against Phil Mickelson, the one where Phil turns around and gives him the thumbs up, like the U.S. probably goes on and wins that Ryder Cup, 14 and a half, 13 and a half, and you're looking at the last four cups on the U.S. U.S. soil. The U.S. is one with one being close, and the last four on I can't believe I said soil. I fucking hate it when people do that. <laughs> um, and the last four cups in Europe. Uh, the Euros have won with one being close, 2010 at Celtic Celtic Manor. So it, right now, I think if they want this event to to be close again, they might have to take away course setup from the home team and and, yeah, and just kind of have a you, you know we're going to set up the course, we're going to have a neutral party set up the course and and go from there. You know, maybe you have Mike Weir, Canadian Mike Weir, set up the course, or <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, 
maybe Brad's boy Rory Sabatini. He's kind of European now, uh, but he's kind of not. Or Brydog's boy Gary Player. You could have Gary Player yeah, come. I'm sure he'd love to do it. You know, any one of the South American or South uh, Africans. So that's something to think about. But I also do think you could you could clearly see this week that uh, the, the talk at the start of the week that Steve Stricker was completely overmatched by Padre Carrington didn't make sense at the time and really didn't make sense, you know, as we got into the next couple of days where you're, you know, Thursday or Friday and Saturday where the U.S. is just everything he did turned out to work, you know? Yeah, well, and it was one of those years where on paper, it, you know, we, we talked about it last week. The U.S. had what? Uh eight guys in the top 10 or something crazy like Every that. Every guy on their team was in the top 21 in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. and they played like it. Now, some right. some Ryder Cups, they don't, right? And, you know, the Ian Poulters and the um, Molinari's of the world or something go crazy, right? But uh, this year, it was clear that the U.S. had the better golfers and uh, and the rookies came to play and yeah, I mean, the storyline after great, this weekend they're is... They're great golfers. Like, they're great ball strikers. They, you know, I mean, the, the 17th hole showed you the difference in the teams, right? Like, that that hole played anywhere from about 225 um, to a two... I think it was, like, it was playing 230 or 240 one day, but it was into the wind, and they were playing it, like, 265. Um, it was kind of into a, into a wind that blew right to left, and, like, you had to hit, like, a... A, you know, like a high piercing draw, like, and started at the right spot to get that ball on the green. And the U.S. just con- consistently won that hole w- because mm-hmm. they're just, they hit the ball better. And, you know, strokes gained, the strokes gained stat is a little rudimentary from an analyt- analytical point because it, you know, it doesn't like take in, it's, it's not like, you know, like how some baseball analytics take into consideration the park and those, you know, and like those different things, but strokes gains is just strictly, you know, this is how, you know, how the ball, how you got the ball from the tee to the green and into the hole against that field. Um, but when you think, when you look at the strokes gain numbers, like the U.S. had like eight guys that were, you know, plus 1.5 or better around in the last six months. You know, they had eight guys in the top 10 on that. So they were playing better. They played better this week. And um, Stricker now has been the captain at the president's cup where we, where it was basically over before singles, like almost clinched yeah. before singles. Yeah. And then the Ryder cup where, you know, uh, the largest margin of victory since 1979. Yeah. Not since the bad. Right. Since this, uh, format, right. The largest victory since this since, format, since so. the Euros, since continental Europe came in. Yeah. Yeah. So that means Stricker, um, Stricker, I think I think they won 1911 in that Presidents Cup in 1909. So he's 30, 38 and 20 in two cups. But Padraig Harrington, he was one up after that uh, that press conference. Just ran circles <laughs> around him at that press conference. I mean, the, the heroes like the like, what were they doing all week? They had like an astronaut outside their team room, like a like a giant inflatable astronaut because only 168 guys have ever played for Europe and 400 people have been to outer space or something. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I like, didn't hear about that. Yeah. Like the, like the Euros did all this stuff that like everybody, you know, th- this is where like golf, golf media and like, like newer golf media, like everybody thinks it's cool to bag on the Americans and like, 
you know, yeah. and it's you, you know how the the group think in 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 media in all aspects of media. Like, you know, the, when they came out with cheeseheads on, everybody's like, "Oh my god, they're really getting these Wisconsin fans on their yes. side." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, nobody's gonna go for them because they had a cheesehead on." Also, they sell tickets to this thing from all 50 states, right? There's yeah. probably 10,000 people from Wisconsin there. The other 30 are from all over the place. You right, know? Exactly. <laughs> like, well, and, and, yeah. And that, yeah, that's cool. That's cool on Wednesday's practice round, sure. And when I'm up close and personal to, like, you know, Sergio, I'm, I'm going to – that's cool, right? But then come Friday in the first tee – I'm chaining no, USA. Nothing cool. there's, there's nothing cool about a guy wearing a foam slice of cheese on his No, I, if you're a dumbass Packers fan, they're dumb. Yeah. They think everything there dumb is cool. They think they, yeah, they think they own the team. Uh, so two questions before we uh, move on here. Uh, Stricker, do you bring him back next uh, – you bring him I back in two years? To, I mean, absolutely I would, but I don't think he wants to do it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and a lot of pressure. I think he's succeeded in it. Why would you come back and ruin that? Just move on. Go out on top. And I think they have a. I, I think I honestly think they. The, the next guy is Zach Johnson. Um, and if yeah, Zach Johnson, awesome. you know Zach Zach Zach's a little more intense than Stricker. Um, so like I think we're from everything I've read, like Stricker basically did what Brooks Kepka wanted him to do in that interview. You know where Kepka said. Uh, it's 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 a different week, you know, during a major yeah. week, I go home, I get a workout in, I take a nap, blah, blah, blah. There's just so much going on. And Stricker kind of just shut that all down. Like they didn't do any like fancy dinners. They just apparently ate dinner. He didn't do any speeches. They didn't like have, you know, coaches from all over the country, you know, doing videos, telling them how important it is. Like these people, you know, they, they're professional golfers. They understand. You know, these people are as big as stars as these people that they bring in to tell them how. Yeah, exactly. you know, like, um, so so if they if they just kind of if if they follow that and just put these guys in position to continually play well, like it, it is what it is, and they can still get beat because it's golf, and you go out and you you know you could get beat. So, but one thing I did want to point out here. Um, everybody's saying like, you know, the Americans are going to dominate. I just want to throw, I, 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 I looked this up. Okay. Cause I wanted to see it's a long time, two years. Right. I, I went and looked, uh, 2018 at the 2018 team. So you got the extra year, right? Like what their world ranking was in 2018, what it is now. Francesco Molinari was five and oh in the last Ryder cup. Right. Yeah. He was ranked number five in the world coming into it. Guess what his ranking is. World ranking is today. <laughs> 90 something 173rd in the world <laughs> Hendrick Stenson went from 24th to 147 Thorbon Olsen went from 45 to 488 like yeah. and that's the other wow. thing about this the Euros have these guys that like that just like randomly show up for one Ryder Cup and are never heard from again like I went yeah. I went back and looked at this too since 2010, the U.S. has had three guys that have only played on one Ryder Cup. Jeff, boom baby Jeff Overton. Oh, boom um, baby. Boom baby Jeff Overton. Um, sitting on a floor looking bored as hell, Jason Duffner. Yeah. And uh, Ryan Moore. I don't – Ryan Moore is just Ryan Moore. I don't have a joke about him. Those are the only three guys on, that since 2010 for the United States that's only played in one Ryder Cup, up until these six rookies that we had this week, right? The Anthony Euros ben have – played in two? That's 2008. So oh, sorry, sorry, back to 2010. Sorry. Yeah. It's 2008. You would add in Anthony came and boo weekly and Ben Curtis. That was a very, oh, yeah, what the fuck Ryder cup. That was a very, what the fuck Ryder cup team. Looking back on that's, it, you're like, 
what is going on here? Yeah, that's the <laughs> year I was thinking of. But yeah, okay, that's but going, you go that's to the back away. Like I'm gonna start naming guys off that have played on a European Ryder Cup team, and you're gonna be like, what in the world? <laughs> Ross Fisher, Peter Hansen, Nicholas Colsarts, Victor Dubisan, Jamie Donaldson, Stephen Gallagher, Danny Willett. I mean, other than you know Jordan's yeah. falling apart, Danny Willett's been kind of nothing, right? Chris Wood, Rafa Cabarrobeo, Andy Sullivan. Thomas Peters, Alex Noren, Thorvon Olsen. Like, yeah. that's how many guys they've had that have just played in one. But the funny part is those some of those guys have great records and then are n- never heard from again. Like Thomas Peters, 4-1 and one at Hazeltine, right? He was awesome. He's 110th in the world right now. No, you know? Peters. I was going to say Peters was one of those guys. Hendrick Stenson, you mentioned. I mean, he was going to be a stud for years. Uh, Martin Keimer, I know that's going back a ways, but... He won what one or two? Maybe he had one year, yeah. and then he fell off the face of the earth. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it you know, like it, um, a lot of those guys, like Rafa Cabarrobeo. Remember, you remember him, right? Yeah, at, yeah. At that Ryder Cup, he was three. I think he was three zero and one at that Ryder Cup, or two zero and one or something. He's now ranked, uh, where is he at? Two hundred twenty fourth in the world. You know, like these guys are just, it's so weird that they just fall off. Now, also, the U.S. has had some guys that have fallen off too. Um, Tiger went from 13th to 296th in the world, but that's because he can't walk without crutches. Yeah. Um, uh, Fowler went from 9 to 123rd in the world. Bubba's down to 64th. But for the most part, the guys on the U.S. team are still in the top 20 that were in Paris. So, you know, maybe they will hold on and, and, and be there, but I think you're going to see some of the younger guys come up too. Um, Sam Burns, Will Zalatoris, um, yeah, uh, some right. guys like there's that. More, like, yeah, there's more guys than just we're on this Ryder Cup team. Right, coming too, right. there's so. more guys coming. So that'll be the interesting thing for the Euros, you know, who's coming. The and one of those guys. And, uh, you know, I don't know who else, but. Yeah, I, I have no idea either. Um, but no, it, I mean. I don't know if they have them or not. I mean, what Westwood and Poulter were captains' picks, right? I mean, they had no Westwood qualified. He qualified, okay, but they still had three or four guys over forty on the team, right? They had four, yeah. Paul Casey, Poulter, yes. Sergio, and uh, Paul Casey just ran into DJ the whole time. Yeah, him. well, I was going to say one of the. Speaking of that, I was going to say one of the uh, U.S. guys that's been there time after time. DJ five and O. Oh, and won the Nicholas Jacklin Award. I was going to say, Nicholas Jacklin Award winner. I mean, that's the greatest Ryder Cup performance of all time, right? It's got to be. Nobody's Nobody in the history of the Ryder Cup has ever has gone 5-0 and and won the Nicholas Jacklin Award. Yeah. By the way, by the way how, how, how far do you think the Jacklin Nicholas Award would have got? I don't know. I think it's a great award. I'm glad that they uh, added it to the festivities. Dude, that's what we got to talk about this real quick. Like NBC, how do you not show the guy drive it 417 yards on Friday? How do they just show? Oh, here's Bryson's ball, and here's a graphic that shows you the line he took. Did you not have a camera there? Yeah, he said all week guy? that he exactly. was gonna. You know, like they ended up getting it from Sky Sports, but NBC has a they have a, like, just show me the golf, NBC. Like, just show me the golf. I don't need 27 interviews with the captains. I don't need, you know, 500 different, the Ryder Cup, what's sportsmanship. Like, I don't need to see Jack Nicholas pick up Tony Jacklin's coin from 
55, 60 years ago, like, and talking about what a great moment it was when at the time Sam Snead wanted to kill Jack Nicholas for conceding that putt. Like, <laughs> you, you know, like this is what the Ryder Cup was. This is what it means. It's like, get over yourself, NBC. I just want to watch a cool sporting event. And I could do more of that if you would show golf, you know, yeah, like, yeah. so anyway, that's my, that's my high horse there. So there's the high horse. So do you, are you a fan of the Nicholas Jackman award? Oh, I don't care about that at all. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If it wasn't the Aeon Nicholas Jacqueline Award, would it be a thing? <laughs> I will just say, color me shot. The captain of Team uh, Big City could give two shits about a sportsmanship award. I tried what to a put surprise. a sportsmanship award. I've got the emails. I tried to put a sportsmanship award in place. Marty Leary wouldn't allow it. I tried to put it in place, and then he called me Hitler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He compared uh, me. He compared stuff. me to Adolf Hitler for trying to have two extra people on your guys' team so we could get more people involved. Team reply all took, took oh. it uh took it a little serious. Yeah, but well, you think but you didn't think Hitler was getting brought up during this Ryder Cup podcast, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Martin speaking Tyler, of which, about it. speaking of no. which, uh, speaking of Hitler and dictators, uh, the next Ryder Cup is in Italy. There you go, Rome. In uh, 2023, which will be my fifth wedding anniversary, so I'm already working the angle of maybe you know spend a couple Ooh. days in Paris, a little romantic take, take, trip. Take the train, you. take the train through the Alps down to Rome for a couple days, and then hit up the Ryder Cup before coming home. I think it might work. Sounds like so, a plan. Yeah. I don't see why any I, woman wouldn't be down with that. Also, probably shouldn't yell Mussolini at the people like I do normally when I'm <laughs> yeah. in Italy. But, um, but yeah, I yeah, think I can make that work. So yeah, you guys, yeah, if you guys want to, if you guys want to tag along, we'll maybe do a company outing. There you go. Charge, hey, charge yeah, it to the yeah, charge it to the corporate corporate account. Good thinking. Uh, well, there you go, folks. We started uh, we started with the golf corner and. Uh, Golf yeah, Corner's right. going to be on, it's going to be on hiatus for a little while. There's, there's not a whole lot to talk about golf wise until we get into 2022. So yeah, it's, it's sad. Corner. It's sad. Winter but, is coming. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe something good happens at the CJ, CJ cup or the Zozo and, and we can talk about that, but I'm not really into breaking down the Sanderson or the Mayakoba classic or, you know, those, those aren't, I don't spend a lot of time watching those. We'll maybe pick the golf corner back up for, uh, Tory Pines in January. Our, our listeners are devastated that you're not going to break those down. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, if, if they if 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 they want to send it to, send it to the mailbag, I'll answer I'll answer your questions. Um, <laughs> but send it to the mailbag. We'll we'll work on it and we'll we'll get you answers. Speaking of mailbag, hey, we got some mailbag questions here. Let's move on Let's do to. It. Let's uh, do it. Let's, well, let's not let's not open the mailbag up just quite yet. Let's. Let's move on to uh, some Iowa Hawkeye talk. Uh, Colorado State, Iowa, a little bit of a tight game. Colorado State was up 14-7 at halftime. Um, and a big uh, matchup coming up here on Friday for the Hawkeyes. But what, what's, your, what's your reaction to uh, the Colorado State Rams giving Iowa a little, uh, little, bit, of a, little bit of a test? I think it's it's tough to say what my reaction is because I think 
the team is overrated, but that's through no fault of their own, right? right. They are who they are. They're four and zero. They, I think, you should be excited for four and zero. It doesn't happen a ton, right? We you know we get random and random Northern Illinois losses, random Iowa State losses, random North Dakota State losses. So four and zero is great. Um, I think we coming out of Indiana Iowa State. My thinking was, okay, let's use these two games to get the offense right. And um, it has been anything but right, I think. And now my offensive concern is more of, I don't think the offensive line is very good outside of the best center in the country. Um, Right. I think the rest of the offensive line is really struggling. Um, And I'm a little concerned. But also, you could chalk that up to they played two pretty emotional games. And you're never going to have, you're not going to have your best for 13 weeks in college football. So, right. Bottom line, they got the win. Winning games and bottom line, they got the win, and the defense, uh, you know, the defense did its job, right? Mm -hmm. Um, are you are you more worried about? We've talked about Petrus a lot. Are you more worried about the quarterback or the offensive line going forward? I don't know. I think they go hand in hand because I think the offensive line's put in a tough spot because the quarterbacks, people probably don't think the quarterback can beat them so there's more people in the box more people rushing the line of scrimmage right. um so but and then on the other part of that like the quarterback's really not very good if there's any sign of pressure in the offensive line yeah i, I think they go hand in hand I, I think that's definitely a worry but the other part of this for me like the offense has just not been fun to watch right and we we live in a time where you turn on the NFL, you turn on other college games and people are going up and down the field and scoring and we just don't play that way. And so it can be frustrating to watch on top of that. You you know, you see the number five, no no matter what you think, you see the number five next to the, to the name, right. Uh, Next to Iowa. And if you're number five in the country at this time of year, you're a playoff contender. Right. And you don't see playoff playoff contenders struggle like, you know, against Colorado State and and uh, um, Kent State, like we did. But then I got to remind myself: is like I don't think they're a playoff contender. Like you know, I think they're a they're a pretty good Iowa team. You know, they could be eight and four with a couple bad bounces, with a couple good bounces. They could be ten and two, eleven and one. You know, so I think really what I need to do is just kind of throttle back and say the goal is to get to Indianapolis and win the West, win the West Division. And looking at the rest of the schedule, I don't think there's anybody on the schedule that you would point to and say, we can't win that game. But I also think that you could point at Maryland this week and say, that's a coin flip. You can point at Penn State at home and say, that's a coin flip. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's offense is atrocious because Notre Dame's defense isn't any good and they just completely shut them down. And um, so you, but it's at Wisconsin. So I'm still going to say that's a coin flip. And then, you know, we struggle with Purdue. And we, you, so I think those four games could go either way. A, you know? House of Horrors for but, us. Yeah, I think you, I, I think they're bad, though. I think they're, uh, yeah, I, I, know, yeah, but... I just think they're bad. <laughs> um, but you never know. You're right. Yeah. So, but I think this is a case where two losses in the in the conference could still get you to Indianapolis this year. You know, I think Wisconsin is going to lose to Michigan this weekend and have two conference losses already. Um, I, I think anybody, like, Minnesota just got beat by Bowling Green. We know Nebraska's basically going to go Nebraska. We'll talk about them in the conference uh, whip around because they've got my play of the week. They were part of my play of the week. Um, uh, so I think, 
I think for me, the, the most discouraging thing is here. I, I, I went and looked at like rushing yards that Iowa had against each opponent and then how much the, those opponents have given up to other teams. So like we rushed for 54 yards against Colorado state. They gave up 104 yards to Vandy, 240 yards to South Dakota state, 13 yards to Toledo. So maybe they're getting a little better. I don't know. Um, Iowa state Baylor had 123 rushing yards. We had 67, uh, Indiana, Indiana's defense is kind of pretty similar, uh, throughout the whole thing, but it's just a little concerning when we're not running the ball too on time. You know, we're not, if we're not getting those big plays, we're not moving the ball. So what are, what are your thoughts? I've talked for too long. No, I agree. I think, uh, you know, everybody's concern right now is the running game, but I'm with you. How much of that is teams stack in the box because we haven't shown the ability to hurt anybody through the air. Now, in fairness for Petrus, he did throw a couple of nice deep balls. To Keegan uh, Johnson, a couple yeah. to Keegan Johnson. Um, Regani had a hell of a catch on that on, on that, that one. That was great, wasn't that? That was, that was, that was great. Yeah. So he had. I mean, so now that's on tape. If he can, I mean, I feel like I feel like it's Iowa football, and as a quarterback, you know, unless we've got unless we've got one of our good quarterbacks the hands are kind of tied and it's don't lose the game for us. Right. And Mm -hmm. probably even more so this year because the defense is so good. Um, When we get into some of those games, you mentioned Petrus is going to have to make a couple throws downfield to loosen some crap up or with our line, we're not going to be able to run against, you know, eight man fronts and, and stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's where, that's where I'm at. Um, we talked a little bit about this. Let's open up the mailbag because uh, we've got a question. Open it up the mailbag. We've got a question uh, from Marty in Waverly, Iowa. And he asked, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but he asked that, you know, as an Iowa fan, how am I supposed to feel about Iowa's win over Colorado State? And and I'm with you. I think after seeing that 14, you know, after sitting there at halftime and being down 14-7, I think obviously you got a little bit of relief that we didn't lose. I mean, you just got to be happy we won, right? Came back and found a way to win. And then I choose to be optimistic. I'm with you. It's not like there's a lot of Iowa teams that are 4-0. and Are we the fifth-ranked team in the country? No, but... We're four and zero, and you look at that schedule. I mean, if we can find a way to win at Maryland and beat Penn State at home, then but a bing, but a boom, as they say, the Hawks are probably going to be favored in every uh, in every game after the Penn State game. You know, so I think you got to be. Uh, I think who you got to be excited. Who says bada bing, bada boom? Everybody. I mean, it's. You bada bing, bada boom, you tickle the bones, you know, uh, this is how people talk. I'm very confused right now. (laughs) So let's go to our second uh, mailbag question. I'll open up the envelope here. And Tim uh, from Earlham, Iowa. Now, this is looking ahead here on on these Friday night Big Ten games. Iowa's got one coming up here against uh, Maryland on Friday night. What time is it appropriate for me to start pregame drinks on a Friday game, seven o'clock kickoff? 
I mean, whatever you feel it's pro- whatever you feel it's appropriate. I guess I don't know. I don't know what you I don't know what you do for a living. Like if you're if you're like if you're operating heavy machinery, maybe wait till you're done with work. Um, if you are, you know, if you just got a desk job where you're working from home, crack one around noon. I mean, I I, I don't know whatever whatever gets you going. I guess exactly. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different playing on Friday night. Now, Iowa played on Friday night once uh, last year, but uh, but last play, year was a weird year all around. And we play on Friday every year against uh, Little Debbie. So. Oh yeah, right. Black Friday, sure, sure. Uh, no, I don't. I I, 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 I'm not big on prediction uh, radio, like I, like I said. But it'll just be. I don't, I don't think playing Maryland on Friday nights any different than playing Maryland on a Saturday, like. Or on a Saturday night, right? Their crowd's right. gonna be what the crowd is, and and I expect it to be a tight game. I see. That. I think yeah. the line opened up at Iowa minus four. It's been bet down to minus three. I think I looked before we started recording here tonight. So, um, yeah, I think you're looking at uh, you're looking at a close Iowa win or a close uh, Maryland win, one way one way or another. You know, which most most Iowa games, especially most Iowa Big Ten conference games, hinge on a drive or a few plays, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's not very, like we blow teams out much. Very rarely blow teams out. Last year we did. Um, yeah. But, um, but a blowout for us is, you know, 14, 17 points. It's not just because we're so used to the close ones. No, I think, um, I you know, I plan on cracking a beer sometime around 6 o'clock when I get up to uh, northeast Iowa for uh, coming up, going up to see the in-laws this weekend. So I'll probably crack one around then and then, Enjoy a nice Friday night uh, football action. Friday night lights, baby. Big 10 Friday night lights. Anything else on the Hawkeyes, or should we wrap around uh, the Big 10 and college football here real quick? Let's uh, let's wrap around. Can I start with my play of the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. My play of the weekend is Nebraska falling for the old uh, one, one punt returner fakes like he's catching the ball on one side of the field while the other punt returner actually catches it and runs straight to the end zone for a touchdown. Um, that was unbelievable. I like we were watching Lindsay wanted to watch, um, this musical that's on Apple TV on one TV in the basement. So the sound was on that and I was kind of watching that and I had the Nebraska game, uh, Nebraska Michigan state game on the other TV. So I only, like, I, I just saw like the punt returner scoring a touchdown and I was like, Oh man, they returned a punt. That's awesome. And they showed the replay and I'm like, dude, no way Nebraska fell for that. Like unbelievable. And then Scott Frost. Dave uh, Tobe, right? First time I saw that was Devin Hester and Johnny Knox on the Bears yeah. Packers game or something. And yep. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and apparently Scott Frost just like ripped his punter after the game. <laughs> Our punter just goes and punts it to the wrong side of the field, and, uh, and it's like, yep, yeah, way to go. So it's never pretty, uh, Scott, never Frost Scott Frost's fault. fault. Nope. <laughs> and uh, I was a little like as before that happened. Um, oh, they also almost won the game on a pick six on a in overtime. Like they threw an interception, the guys like taking it back to the house, and like guys are just clipping and you know and like just holding and everything because none of it matters. They still get the ball in the twenty five, you know, like because it's yeah, changing, right, you know. exactly. Yeah, so that was great. Um, but I was a little worried that my favorite stat um, was about to go away. The what are Scott Frost's 15 best wins at Nebraska? And I think that would have been 15 if he would have won that one. I'd have been like, yeah. oh, damn it. Uh, so lives. Hey, it lives on for another week. It does. Big, uh, 
looking ahead, big weekend uh, for for college uh, football this weekend. We mentioned Iowa Maryland. I think's a, a sneaky good game on Friday night, and then some big time uh, matchups. We got two top ten matchups: Arkansas at Georgia. Arkansas is ranked eighth in the nation. <laughs> Are they? Is Arkansas good? <laughs> like, oh, they apparently own the state of Texas now. Very true. So, um, they took that over last week. They by beating A and M. I don't. I don't know if they're good or not. I don't know if anybody's good or not this year. Yeah, you know, like this the reason. The reason I thought Georgia was so good is because they dominated Clemson. Turns out Clemson's just okay. Average. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. So. Well, Georgia's like eighteen and a half point favorites at home against Arkansas. So. Well, yeah. uh, so the bookmakers don't necessarily think Arkansas is in that category yet, but um, and then Cincinnati versus your Golden Domers, Cincinnati yeah, at Notre Dame. That'll be a good one. Um, that'll be a good game. Cincinnati snuck it out against Indiana. Notre Dame, I think, is looked better than they did Week One against Florida State. Um, Jack Cohen's hurt. Oh, he's gonna he? play. yeah, he sprained his ankle against Wisconsin. Um, so that Wisconsin Notre Dame game was actually like way closer, right? Was Wisconsin kicks a field goal to go up 13 10 in the fourth quarter? Notre Dame returns the kickoff for a touchdown right after that. Um, 17, you know, and then they scored, they had a driving went for a touchdown, and then after that, Grim Mertz threw three straight interceptions. One led to a field goal, and two were taken back for pick sixes, and that's how Notre Dame got yeah. to 41. Like it was, it was, it was a very close, much closer game. Um, I don't know how good Notre Dame is. Uh, I think they're better in Wisconsin, obviously, but um, we'll see how yeah, good they are. I, yeah, Iowa yeah. State, Iowa, preseason number seven is now unranked. I think we need to mention that. There you go. I mean, they might get back into the rankings this week, though, if they take care of business against Kansas at home. Right? I think they'll take care of business against yeah. Kansas. But, yeah, how my how the mighty have fallen, Iowa State. uh and, and just to remind everybody, if Kansas ever plays a Big Ten football game as a member of the Big Ten Conference, I will eat a bowl of poop live on the podcast. Hey, this reminds me, by the way, did you know that, uh, like, historically, Kansas has had more teams ranked in the top 10 and in the top 25 than Iowa State? Like, literally, yeah. Kansas yeah. is a better football program than Iowa State, historically. But... There you go. Yeah. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, and then we'll move on here, Ole Miss at Alabama, number 12 Ole Miss at top-ranked Alabama, Lane Kiffin going back to T-Town. That's going to be a fun one. So wasn't it last year that Alabama played Ole Miss and um, gained every possible yard they could except for, like, 50? They punted once at the – they punted once at the 49 – and ended the game taking a knee on the two yard line, like going into score. So they, other than that, they gained they gained like 850 yards. They gained every possible yard they could based on where they got the football. Yeah, that, that had game. to be last year. So yeah. I was thinking, no, that wasn't last year. It must have been the year before because there were fans in the stands. But then I but remember the SEC, the SEC had yeah, the fans SEC, all last the SEC year. Didn't care. Yeah, as he didn't care. Yeah, that was, that was one of my I mean, favorite. God, that was my like my favorite stat of the entire COVID year. <laughs> like, they just that was <laughs> great. Yeah, 
There was a potential 900 total yards, and they gained 849 of them. <laughs> it's just incredible. And it was a decently uh, close game because Ole Miss. Yeah, it was really close. Ole Miss kept, yeah, the Ole yeah. Miss kept scoring. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, that was, that's one of those games where when you complain about Iowa and Iowa's style of play, when you watch a game like that where nobody can stop anybody or you watch some of those Big 12 shootouts and it's just like, well, this isn't any fun either. Like, whoever's got the ball last is going to win. Yeah. You know, like, at least with defense, there's some suspense in the game. Granted, you (laughs) you know, like, just watching teams run up and down the field is boring as shit. And just, just hope a guy fumbles as he's running into the end zone. Yeah, exactly. But there you go, our quick wrap around the world of college football, and then we're gonna bring back uh, real real quick. Who's your top five? Who's your top five right now? Who's my top five? I would say uh, I would say Alabama and Georgia, um, for sure. And then it, you know, I don't know, Penn State's up there. Would you put Penn State in the top five right now? I'd probably have Alabama, Georgia. Um, Big Ten team that's going to end up, you know, there's going to be a Big Ten team in there. So whether that's Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State comes back or Iowa, perhaps. Uh, I know I'm cheating here, but um, but there you go. You just Oregon. Mine. You just want mine instead of Oregon's in the conversation, and then uh, uh, and then I'd put Florida at number five. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> you named off 20 teams in your top five. Well, back. I've got Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, Florida, and then Big the, Ten team. Pull, yeah, pull yeah. a Big Ten team out of the hat. Let's say okay. Iowa for today because, God damn it, I'm in Iowa. Nice work, Stu Gatz. Um, my top five is Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, and Coastal Carolina. Perfect. <laughs> I was hoping you'd throw like Auburn or another uh, Texas A&M, <laughs> another, another Texas A&M. Uh, nope. Coastal uh, Carolina, Coastal the Chanceltiers. Surprised you don't have Notre Dame in there, but you know I don't. They're they're they're, they're like eight. They're like they still eight. got they still got to show you something. Yeah, show me something. You can't just you can't just crack my top ten without showing or my top five without showing me something. Yeah. Very good. Well, so there you go. There's our college football wraparound with a special top five from uh, from each of us. Hey, real quick here uh, to finish up the show, we're going to bring back one of our listeners' favorite segments. And uh, it's time for a good old-fashioned firebomb. And this firebomb is going to have to be pretty large because we're about ready to firebomb I'm going to say, like, the entire Chicago Bears organization. I mean, what the hell is going on at Alice Hall? Top top to bottom. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. (laughs) Set it all on fire. Burn it to the ground. I've got uh, got 16 bottles filled with gasoline stuffed with rags getting ready to get lit on fire. Uh, We'll be throwing the Molotov cocktails at Alice Hall any day now. Um, What was that? Like, just what was that? This is one of those situations where you pull, I think it was Lane Kiffin at USC, right? Just leave Matt Nagy at the goddamn airport in Cleveland and let's bring everybody else like, home because that was a disgrace, right? Oh, it's just unbelievable. Like, when you said Lane Kiffin, I just thought of Al Davis and that overhead projector. Press <laughs> He's just got an overhead projector with a transparency, right? <laughs> All this stuff. Um, no, 
I, I mean, I mean, pace has got to go. They, before, can we just say, like, Lane Kiffin, what a hell of a life, right? Like, that guy has been around. Just <laughs> constant. Like, what did, yeah, I, that guy, he's gotten some, he's gotten some gigs. But, um, like, like, pace, like, what is his, what is his, what has he done? Like, does he have any concept of how to build a team? He pulled 41-year or 39-year-old Jason Peters off a boat in Dallas, Texas and stuck him out there at left tackle. And, like, that was our way to fix the line? You know? The The O-line has been an issue for years. Just forever. And, And, no, but then also, so, you know, your O-line sucks. I mean, that's where pace has got to go. And this is what annoys me with the Bears is this whole – Nagy and Pace should have been gone after last year. Like, yeah. what are we doing now? We're just, like, ruining year one of Justin Fields because we kept these lame duck guys around that you fire them midseason then, I guess. But, like, they should have been gone. Like, let somebody else start building this. And then if you're Matt Nagy and you know your offensive line sucks and you've got the prized possession Justin Fields at quarterback, like – Where's Max Protect? You know, like, I, I mean, I, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, I saw but, someone say that they ran out of the 20 pass plays they ran, like 16 of them, they only protected with five guys. Yeah. What are you, you doing? Know, and, and they didn't move the pocket at all. They didn't, like, it was just, you like, know, and this is what I said. In their on. heyday with the freaking Iron Curtain line in front of Brady never did, you know, never did five per, uh, protection that many times. I mean, it's, the offensive line for the Patriots was called the Iron Curtain. He, absolutely, I, I, I saw it in the Boston Globe. Bob Ryan called him the Iron Curtain. This has got to be made up. I, I, I gotta... <laughs> of course, it's made up. Okay, like what the fuck? I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but no, I'm just it, saying it, it, nobody yeah. nobody does that even with good offensive lines. Is my point. So when you have the when you have had the worst offensive line in NFL for the last two or three yeah. years. And your first start for your rookie that you traded up to get, protect him. It's it's just yeah, it's pretty bad. It's 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 really bad. Um, and then you throw in what he's done at quarterback pace. You know, signing Mike Lennon, trading up one spot for Mitch Trubisky when nobody was going to take him at two. Like, um, signing or trading for Nick Foles for some reason. Like, yeah. And, and then, then, then signing Andy Dalton when you could have done that last, last year, year. and yeah. not had to trade draft picks and give Nick Foles $60 million, then trade up for Justin Fields, which is the only one that I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but when they took him on draft night, I was excited. And then five minutes later, I'm like, ah, oh, poor guy. Like they'll fuck him up. And <laughs> you know, like it's just watching them play offense. is just it, 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 like, it, you know, we know now we don't have a number one pick next year either. And yeah, you know, that's the thing, you know, and it's just, you just go through the team and it's like, They've been through how many offensive line coaches since Pace has been there? They've been through how many coaches? You know, they've been through how many offensive coordinators? They've been through how many offensive linemen? The one constant is Ryan Pace, and he's got to go. And the the constant on top of that is Ted Phillips, and the constant on top of that is the McCaskies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a shit show of a franchise from the top to the bottom, and until they figure something out at the top of that organization, it, nothing's going to change. You know, they, they could buy a billion different Arlington park sites to pretend they're going to build a stadium on them. And none of it's ever going to change. Like, 
they're going to keep selling out their games because Bears fans want to go to the, go to the game, but they're never going to, you know, like the only time in our lifetime they've been like relevant, like that we remember, you know, is those few years with Lovey Smith. Other than that, they've been a joke, you know, like I, they've been, there've been more games I've watched where they've put up offensive performances like that. Then they've had quarterbacks throw for 350 or 400 yards, right? And think about that today. Yeah. Tom Brady's 45 years old and throws for 400 freaking yards every game. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think the Bears have ever had I, – I would doubt the Bears have ever had a quarterback throw for 400 yards in a game. In today's NFL, like you said, everybody's doing it, right? You know, yeah. I mean, that's today's NFL. But, yeah, I would argue they've been relevant more – than you probably think, but nothing sustained. It's a year here and but, there. You yeah. know, like even those, even that year. I mean, like that year with Trubisky with the 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 field. You know, the field that goal was, kicker that talks that like was that. smoke and mirrors. That was smoke and mirrors. You know, the year a that Mike, years, the year that Mike Brown like returned every interception for a touchdown for like a six week period with Dick Jaron. That was smoke and mirrors. Yeah, you know, like. There was a couple of years with uh, with Cuddy, one where he broke his thing, broke his thumb. We had Martz, and he broke his thumb in that San Diego Chargers yeah, game. That year we had things that's rolling, true. and then and then we were in the NFC title game against the Packers, and Cuddy busted his knee up. And not saying we were going to win that game, but you know, so there there were two, three years there with Cutler where they were relevant. We had a good yeah. defense, and we were at least had a pulse on offense uh, sometimes. Cutler got his ass kicked and got saved and going that back that far. That guy set the like NFL record for most time sacked. And some of it's he held on the ball, but we also had a shit offensive line then, you know. That's back so when Ola like, Kruitz was had gotten to the point where he was terrible. Remember when I was like, this guy yeah. is washed. This guy couldn't even play on washed up. And that's before Pace's time, but that's where it's just like Yeah, we gotta fix it. It's yeah, that's been a problem my entire adult life, and nobody's ever worried about the offensive line in Chicago. It's ridiculous. But anyways. Every year, oh, we brought in this offensive line coach, he'll fix it. And right before the season, we're pulling forty five year old Jason Peters off of his bowl. <laughs> He keeps getting older with every next episode. Time I talk, next time I talk about him, he's going to be, we're pull 55-year-old Jason Peters off of his out of, line at the, out of line at the DMV to go down here and, and I don't know why I did the Pulling DMV. Pulling a bass out of the pond in his boat down in so, who knows where. Yeah, that's a disappointing time to be a Bears fan, that's for sure. Firebomb is back, and uh, it was a big one. The entire Hallis Hall has been firebombed. We got him. We got him. I'm sure after listening to this, uh, the McCaskies uh, are gonna, you know, they'll do the right thing now. They'll do the yep. right thing now that we've got to him. Nudge, nudge, Miss, uh, Miss, Miss Grandma McCaskey, and and get her to get her to do some firing. But there you have it. Anything else uh, we need to cover here before we uh, wrap things up here, Drewski? You know, I don't think so. I think we've really covered. I think we've covered the world pretty good today. You know what they say. I've said it before. Two-thirds of the world is covered in water. The other third covered by the We Have High Expectations podcast. I thought it was Adam Shada. <laughs> no. No. I think originally it was uh, Damon Antoine, Antoine Allen. No, it was a Chip. That's Chip Carey's old line. I think it was, it was Damon Buford, the center fielder for the Cubs back in the day. Robbed that homer that one game. Tuffy Rhodes. Tuffy Rhodes, yeah. Lance that's, that's, Lance Johnson. Oh, one dog. Get him out of here. Lance Johnson sucks. 
I hated that guy. Felix PA. Now that guy. We could do this all night, folks. <laughs> Who you got? Who you got? Corey Patterson. Corey Patterson, that's a good one. Who else you got? Who else do I got? Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton was a stud. Lofton. Doug, Doug Glanville. Doug Glanville. Who was the center fielder on the 98 team? That went, Was that Lance Johnson on that wild card team? I think it was, yeah. I think it was. He was the what one guy I hated. We had Lance Johnson. We had Brant Brown and Sammy. And O'Henry, right? Yeah, we had Henry Rodriguez, too. Yeah. 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 That's a hell of an outfield right there, baby. Because O'Henry got taken out for Brant, and he dropped that fly ball in Milwaukee. Yeah, and we still yeah. made the playoffs. Made the playoffs. Gary Gaetti. Gary Gaetti. Old noodle around. arm. Old noodle arm Gaetti. <laughs> There's, hey, there you go. Now we've covered baseball. So now we've got it all. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about old Winnipeg Jets. Who's your favorite <laughs> Winnipeg Jet? Who's my favorite? I don't even think I know. Who's your favorite Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jet. Jet of all time? Just got to name one. One Winnipeg Jet of all time. <laughs> I don't know one. I, I What's going to happen? I, I honestly, I'm thinking right now, I can't. I, I got nothing. I mean, if you ask me, I, got, I mean, I think I could get one for just about every NHL franchise. Winnipeg Jets, nothing. Yeah, bro. I don't. I don't think. I, I actually, could. now that I think, I don't think I could. I don't think. I mean, just just try one. Say Edmonton Oilers. Well, you know an Edmonton Oiler. Chris Pronger. Wayne Gretzky was an Edmonton Oiler. I know Mark. Uh, Vancouver Canucks. Pavel Bure. That's who I was gonna. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. You're damn straight. Yeah. What about uh, the Toronto Maple Leaves? Uh, the Toronto Maple Leaves. He's wow. going to Google. Oh, <laughs> that, lasted, that lasted two teams. <laughs> that reminds oh, me. Geez, so we're going to tell this story and then we'll get out of here. But that reminds me. There's an old game where you use, you say a baseball player, and then the first letter of their last name, you have to say a baseball player whose first name starts with that. Yeah. And then if you say like Sammy Sosa and it's the same letter, then it reverses. Like, you know, you got a circle of four yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we would do this like on car rides and everything, you know. So you'd be like uh, Paul Asenmacher and then somebody would be like Adam Dunn. And then they'd go, you know, I'm trying to think of the most crazy names. Davey Lopes. Then you'd go Doug Desenzo and it'd have to go backwards. And then you couldn't do a double the other way around. It's kind of like the game Zoom, uh, but without the drinking. But anyways, uh, cousin Zach and I were going to do this once with NASCAR drivers. <laughs> he was like, there's no way in hell you're going to be able to do this. And I'm like, I go, he goes, Jeff Gordon. And I go, Jeff Bodine. And he's just like, I'm out. <laughs> we got two <laughs> names in. And he didn't know a NASCAR driver whose first name started with a B. I would have been out with the G. You got Jeff Bodine. I would have been like, uh about <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it was so great because baseball was too easy we could go like all night you know so i'm like let's do like nascar and then we lasted two days uh oh. we've even covered nascar tonight Bruce. covered nascar covered hockey covered golf covered football covered baseball we missed the nba the Kyrie irvings yeah really we'll Kyrie got a lot going week. on but yeah hey speaking okay. of nascar you know how nascar got its name don't you um, no, and I don't really care. 
Well, back in the olden days when they'd show up at the track and the cars would be going around and the guys sitting in the infield, right, drinking a bush, you know, they'd be like, look at that one. That's a real NASCAR. That's a real NASCAR right there. NASCAR. No, I got it. It wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> speaking of Bush, so Bush made me remember real quick before, and then we'll get, we'll absolutely get out of here. So uh, a lot of talk on uh, some of the golf podcasts I listened to about uh, spotted cow beer this oh, week. Jesus. Yeah, they all had the exact same reaction I did to spotted cow. It's beer. Uh, <laughs> I can't I, like, hey, everybody talks about New Galeris and the spotted cow. I had to, it's beer. Yeah. <laughs> I grab it. I haven't made a trip to Madison since, you know, COVID, but uh, I'd always stop before the border and grab a 12 pack or a, a case because the, the best thing that New Glarus has going for it is that you can't get it outside of Wisconsin. Otherwise, you remember back in our day when like Michelob Golden Light like came to Iowa? Yeah, people lost uh, their mind and you're like, there were billboards. Is. Yeah, and everybody had to go get Golden Light. And now, you know, it's shit beer just like the rest of them nobody drinks gold yeah. money so it's, yeah. it's that like if spotted cow the 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 exclusivity of it that you can only get it in wisconsin is the only thing it's got right it, right but. it's just it's it's just a lager like yeah, it's like, it, yeah, yeah whatever but, yeah, and that was every, every i just thought it was I just thought it was kind of funny, like how like on like two or three different golf podcasts i listened to they all had like yeah everybody's talking about the spotted cow and it's it's fine. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, ah, that's my reaction. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't, it's not like I don't like it. It's beer. So now that you mentioned that I've got one story and then we'll really get you out of here. No, I'm just fucking, <laughs> We're fucking done. <laughs> Enough of these. The wrap up lasted about just as long as uh, the podcast. Name so. a Boston Bruin. Name a Boston Bruin. Uh, Cam Neely. Cam Neely, there you go. Yarmir Yager. You could just say Yager, and he's probably been on every Yager, Yager. Did he play, did he play for? He was a he was on the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, but he's yeah. Been all he's no way he's played for Boston. You can't just throw out Yarmir Yager and say Boston. Temu Solani. Temu Solani. Oh, there you go. Let's go. Let's get out. Uh, of here. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Now that we're here, I'm going to look up Yarmir Yager. You're gonna edit. Uh, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna fix this in post, aren't you? No, we're How gonna do you leave spell all this. Yarmir. Yarmir Yager played for the Boston Bruins. Liar, liar. From, let's see here. On April second, twenty thirteen, Yager was traded to the Boston Bruins really? in exchange for Lane McDermott, Cody uh, Payne, and a conditional third round pick in the twenty thirteen. Now, now that you said. Cody Lane, I do remember that. I do he remember. He played that. in the goddamn Stanley Cup Finals for the Bruins in 2013. <laughs> so go f yourself. Name a Florida Panther. The Bruins lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. Name a Florida Panther. Yarmir Yager. He played for the Florida <laughs> Panthers from 2015 to 2017. Name an HC Klondo. <laughs> Calgary Flame, Yarmir Yager. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that turkey guy on uh, the European Family Feud. <laughs> okay, we really got to get out of here now. Oh, turkey. Remember how pissed his like play, his playing partners <laughs> were? Like everybody yeah. else dying laughing. They go to the family and they're just all mad as hell at this guy. Anybody that is anybody that is still with us and hasn't seen it, uh, you've got to Google on YouTube uh, or turkey. YouTube. 
Family Feud. British Family Feud Turkey, and it's the greatest clip you've ever seen in your life. I promise. What's something you take to the beach? Turkey. <laughs> All right, my man. Oh, well, okay. peaches. Pay a stand them. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later, my man. Hey, go Hawks. Friday night. Let's get started early there, Tim, uh, from Earlham. 